Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 76. I remember I went out with my buddy. Uh, I was in high school, and we liked to squirrel hunt together. We weren't super successful most of the time, but me and Ben went out into the woods one day, and uh, we were hunting around. I don't. I think we may have seen a couple squirrels. We just hadn't gotten a shot at anything. I got a little shotgun, and uh, probably my probably twelve twelve gauge Wingmasters would have been would have been shooting at that point. And uh, nature calls. I gotta go take a leak, and so I walk over to a big oak tree. I think it was an oak, and uh, started to go. And all of a sudden, I hear noise directly above me and there above me we, I see squirrels running up in the tree and I point to Ben and he's trying to get a shot so I, I'm able to go ahead I get my gun I had it leaned up against uh, the other side of the tree I grab my gun I take a step back and I take a shot at this squirrel now I ask Ben I don't remember if I hit the squirrel I don't remember I don't think I did I, most likely the squirrel got away but what I do remember is simultaneously as I take the shot I hadn't buttoned up my pants and my pants fell down to my ankles and I'm standing there trying to see if this squirrel's still around and Ben looks over and there I am with a shotgun in my hand and my, my pants down to my, my ankles so <laughs> just kind of a funny memory and I've, I've got so many stories like that that I could tell but I thought it would be good to Day for us to have some guests on to hear their funny stories. And I tell you, I have not laughed so hard in a long, long while. And I hope that this brings some joy to your life today. Maybe you've had some rough weeks, rough days with uh, the coronavirus or your job or life in general. And I'm hoping that this just brings some some joy to you. Before we dive into that, uh, we've got a bunch of stories we're going to jump into. I just want to give you one verse that I think kind of talks about this. It's Psalm 3.3 and it says, You, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory. You're the one who lifts my head. I just think that that is a beautiful passage and a beautiful thought about how whenever we lean on God and whenever we're struggling, He's the one who can actually lift our head to give us joy again. And so I'd encourage you if you're having a rough day, I hope this podcast helps, but maybe a little prayer might help as well. That said, we're going to dive in. We're going to start off, I asked people they could submit their um, story by either writing it down, uh, recording it, or coming on the podcast with me, and we have all three of those. So I thought we'd start with a guy named Old Not Dead. I got this off of bowhunter.com. He wrote uh, one spring turkey hunting. He was hunkering down in a very nice downfall. It was just back from a long slope on his right, fairly level front to his left, and he um, had a fired up tom down the slope, but he had hens with him. And there, uh, there he was, just the tip of his fan visible to me as he spit and drum pacing back and forth. His hands were getting vocal at my calls when everything went quiet. Uh, we all know that one, right? Um, a few minutes later, as I could still see his fan, the hens appeared in front of me. The three came looking for the hen they had heard walking right at me. Then, one at a time, each stepped up to the end of my gun barrel, cocked their heads as if they were looking into it. Then they walked down to the Tom Cluck and purring their report to him, and they all walked away. He said, yeah, I had such a hard time not laughing out loud at those hens pecking down the, the barrel of a shotgun. <laughs> so I've had uh, hens close, but I've not had them 
uh, as close as Old Not Dead. I wish I knew his real name, but uh, that's that's what I got. So we're going to hear from uh, an audio recording from Ozzy Daniel. If you guys have listened to those episodes, he's a funny guy. And then we're going to hear from Nick Williams, a.k.a. Nutter Buster. If you're on any of the saddle forums, you know who that is. And then we're going to wrap up with a pastor named Dennis Wilder. And we hear all kinds of stories. You guys are going to love this. Here we go with Ozzy Daniel. G'day, Trav. G'day, everyone. Just got a couple of duck hunting stories. Um, a couple of seasons ago, a mate of mine, Dan and myself, we headed out to uh, the local lake about 20 minutes up the road. And he picked me up about 5.30. We had the 10-foot tinny in the back, and we got up to uh, where we load the boat in the water and probably about 20 minutes or so before sun up and, uh, you know, talking about what we sort of wanted to see for the day and we hadn't really hunted there before so it was good to uh, just be out there and we had a few issues with the boat to start with and we could actually see some birds like not far from us but um, you weren't allowed to shoot them because it was within a, within a certain, oh, like a... Um, a certain area, like a public area, so you weren't allowed to shoot there. So we had to let those birds go, but it was good to see a couple on the water. But anyway, so we, we got the boat going and Big Dan's in the back driving and I'm up the front and we've got a single barrel uh, Bakel shotgun and uh, full choke, you know, <laughs> it was like real thick barrel. And uh, we're poking along and you know, there's a couple of coves coming up and we had a look in there and there's no birds there. Probably about, well, probably about an hour um, into our hunt, we were, we were hooking along with the with the bank on our right hand side, and we still hadn't seen any birds yet. And then all of a sudden, I spotted one from a few hundred meters away, and I said, "Oh, Dan, there's a bird up there." So he sort of hooks into it, comes around this bend, and then and then sort of slows down. We, we're sort of coming in towards this, this duck and uh, I, got my, I got my position ready and I put the gun to the shoulder and we sort of, we were coming in fairly steady, not real slow but not too quick, but we were coming in steady enough and I pulled, uh, and I pulled this shot, <clears throat> uh, I took this shot and Next minute, Big Dan whips this boat around 100, 180 degrees. And I thought, this bloke's keen. Like, it's just one bird, mate. Like, I'm pretty sure I hit it. Anyway, he whips this boat around. I look back. He hasn't even got any. He hasn't even got a hand on the motor. We hit a stump, and it ripped the motor out of his hand. Big Dan's probably 150 kilos, something like that. 140 kilos, and he's he's laying over in the corner of the boat with one leg up in the air, half his body hanging out of this 10-foot tinny, and uh, there's just water gushing in everywhere, and we're probably about oh, 90 yards, 90 yards from the from the bank, and I just thought, we're gone, because I was at the front of the boat, and I'm pretty light sort of a bloke, and um, the boat just started to go up, and all I could see was the sky, and I thought, I couldn't believe how many thoughts were going through my head what do I grab? There's guns pointing everywhere. There's water coming in. And um, I just thought, we're gone. And I thought, I could just picture my shotgun on the bottom of the lake. And uh, anyway, somehow, somehow Big Dan gets himself back inside the boat. 
and I'm hanging on to the to the right hand side and we pull ourselves back over and we just sit there for a couple of minutes and there's just water everywhere. We'd probably there's probably sitting in at about six or seven, maybe eight inches of water in the bottom of our boat. So it was real funny once we <laughs> got to the bank and uh yeah, we, we somehow got to the bank and we unloaded everything, our phones were soaking wet, uh, ammo boxes were open, all our ammo was wet, so <laughs> we had a real good laugh about that. Uh, we got back into the boat once we dried it out and continued hunting and we shot a couple of birds, but I'll never forget that. I actually caught it on GoPro, so um, I might even share that video with you, it's pretty funny. And this last one, um, my mate Popple, he and I went out for a shoot out towards his place. He's got some um, some land out half an hour from town. And um, we got out there, I think it was a Saturday or maybe Friday after work or something. Anyway, he's got these water channels that run through his property. And, um, you know, yeah, the ducks love them. There's a lot of overhanging grasses and weeds and some reeds and stuff like that. So there's a good opportunity of, you know, one one person walks each side of the channel and there's a good chance you'll you'll jump a duck so anyway we'd been around and I think we shot a couple and um found a few dams and I think uh we came onto this one dam and uh he and I had never really hunted much before and I had this duck call and he he hadn't learned how to call yet but we jumped this dam and there were so many birds there <laughs> I didn't know which which duck to shoot at and I think I I think I missed both shots uh shooting a, uh, under an overshot gun and um, anyway, these birds took off. He shot one, um, and I said, "Oh, just stay here. We'll, we'll, um, I'll keep calling." I didn't have any any cover. There was nothing to hide behind or anything. So I just sort of ducked down and um, started calling these birds back. And anyway, we we had an absolute blast. I called these birds back like different mobs. Uh, three or four different mobs came back um, over probably ten minutes. Um, I think I think Adam shot a couple, and I <laughs> I think I missed every bird. But um, yeah, that was that was a really good time. But on the same hunt, we headed back towards um, his house, and there was a channel there, just a little skinny channel, probably about I don't know seven foot wide. And we snuck up, and I saw I could see the duck from the road about 150 meters down, and I said, "Oh, there's a bird down there." So we we pulled into the paddock parked the car and we we went by foot and we'd quickly sort of creep up to the channel look down see how far we had to go we'd go back out and sneak down a bit more and keep checking so as we got within probably 30 or 40 meters um we sort of made our plan and came in and i think maybe might have been 25 meters and we jumped this channel and bang i shot this black duck i said i got him pop i got him Anyway, so we were walking up there, and um, he was still sort of flapping a bit, so I said, oh, I better finish him off, so bang, shot him, and his head came off, and I thought, oh, you're joking, and um, <laughs> so anyway, so this duck's just laying there, just floating in the water on the opposite side of the channel, seven foot away, I thought, how are we going to get this bird, and I said, Popper, what are we going to do, like, I don't feel like getting wet. Um, and it was sort of a deep channel um, and I said oh, what are we going to do we stood there for three or four minutes you know, what are we you know there was no sticks or anything lying around to get this bird anyway next minute Popple says he's moving 
I looked up and the um, this duck's got one leg from the, obviously the nerves, they twitch. This duck starts kicking and kicking and kicking. And we're standing there, look, we couldn't believe what we were looking at. We were laughing our heads off. He said, he's coming, he's coming. This duck, there's an, dead as a doornail, started kicking with one leg and it kicked its way all the way over to where we were standing. We picked him up and we went home. It was one of the funniest trips I've ever been on. So, yeah, it's um, it was a classic time, and we 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 sort of bring it up, we bring it up fairly often. So, uh, it's it's you know these trips, uh, these laughs that you have on these hunting trips, you know that's part of the reason why we go, and that's what makes a good trip. You know, it's not always a success. It's it's the funny things that happen, and um, yeah, you've 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 got a great idea by uh, getting people on and sharing some some humorous stories mate and um yeah i appreciate you having me on and yeah we'll talk to you soon man see ya all right guys i have nick williams on the line nick how's it going hey doing good how about yourself travis oh doing great man beautiful night and just enjoying uh talking to different folks and hearing some of their stories so nick williams uh is your name but you go by another handle that's nutter buster some guys on uh, saddle <laughs> the saddle forums may recognize you but Nick, tell us a little bit about yourself. It uh, everybody always assumes it it has something to do with something that you know maybe you wouldn't talk about in public, but uh, <laughs> no, it's just it's, it's a name that that stuck. There's an old fella I used to work with at an archery shop. Old uh, uh, kind of a, a retired sheriff used to be in the navy, uh, first responder, had a lot of jobs, and then he ended up he was a uh, uh, kind of a guide over at Willow Point in Mississippi might be giving out too much information now naming the, the, <laughs> but uh he was, he was he was a good dude he's kind of a mentor when i was uh kind of figuring out the whole archery technician thing uh and and we used to, to joke a lot and give each other a hard time and uh you know sitting there in the sporting goods store you always you surrounded by the duck commanders and the uh the bone collectors and all that you know super serious with the face pain and the skull logos and stuff like that and uh I think I think he was always kind of tickled at how I was always leave there either coming into work after going squirrel hunting or leaving work to go squirrel hunting and uh, taking that real seriously. So he kind of he kind of joked one day that, that I was going to start a uh, start the Nutter Buster Brotherhood. <laughs> and, uh, it just it, it kind of kind of stuck, and uh, you know no, nobody really takes squirrel hunting too seriously. So it'd be cool if anybody wants to volunteer to do me some real cool. You know, like neon green, uh, like a, a squirrel skull with some smoke in the back or something like that. You know, like a heavy metal soundtrack behind it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm game. I'll, yeah, I'll, I might I'm, know some people, man. I think we can make this happen. You could be the next big sensation. You, are you working on a big beard? Because I think that helps in those kind of scenarios. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I really think that for something like the Nutter Busters, you'd need something more like a like a mullet and like the Joe Dirt. <laughs> you know, I think maybe, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> maybe maybe a wife beater and uh, some camouflage shorts. That that sounds good. <laughs> well, Nick, I uh, you already got me laughing a little bit, but I, I know from the forums and from things like that, you are a funny guy, have some great stories. So I thought I'd just if I was having a podcast with somebody that's funny i was glad that you reached out because i you're definitely somebody i'd love to have you on so let's dive in some funny your what are some of your uh, funny stories just related to hunting that you have oh man uh 
Well, if we're, we're going to go with the squirrel theme, go with go with the the uh, the, the fine and n- high and noble adventures of, of the mighty Nutterbuster tribe. Uh, <laughs> I I have done a lot of stupid things in the pursuit of a lot of game animals, but there's there's something about a squirrel that uh you end up holding him in your hand after you've shot him after you've done tracked him you know two miles following him barking through the woods and you're covered up to your neck in mud and you you kind of wonder how you got there what happened over the past half hour uh, it's it's something i don't know why you know squirrel hunting some days you have good days where you just you find a feed tree and you go out there and you sit down and you uh you know you rustle up a limit you shoot eight you know 20 minutes half an hour and then uh i've had days man where you you go and you sit somewhere and you just ain't hearing anything and you just you kind of get your your guard up on it and you're like well man i'm not leaving here without a squirrel and seven miles later you uh you're walking out with this this one little bot fly infested squirrel wondering where your life went wrong Yeah, that's true. And I, for me, it always seems like uh, when you're deer hunting is when you see about a thousand squirrels and you're squirrel hunting, you see about a thousand deer. I don't it, know if that's it the same doesn't, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter what you're hunting. If I go duck hunting, I'm probably going to see a eight point when I'm sitting over to load a number four steel. And if, uh, <laughs> if I'm deer hunting, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll watch 20 squirrels run up and down a hickory tree and yeah. see no end and I'll walk out there and then I'll see turkeys and then turkey season, I'll go there and I don't know. You see, see Bigfoot or Elvis, or <laughs> it's never what you're looking for. the The best yeah. best way to find something is to not look for it. I suppose. I think that's true. I think that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. so what's what squirrel stories you got up up your sleeve there? Well, I uh, let me let me think. I've, I've I've got I've got so many. I tell you what, actually, not to uh, not not not, not to derail myself, but it actually kind of just just talking and, and thinking about all the crazy escapades it, it kind of got me to thinking about something else you ever heard of uh you ever heard of more hens say that again i said have you ever heard of a more hen more hen no more I'm not. Hen, a goonie bird the goonie bird no i haven't heard of that well you ain't never heard of a goonie bird I've heard of is this like snipe honey? but no i've heard of somebody being called a goonie bird but i didn't know that it actually existed all right, so 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 forget uh forget squirrel hunting. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the the squirrel of the marsh. Okay. Okay. So, so so here in South Alabama, where I live, you got you got the swamp, which is up north of sixty five. If you ever come through Mobile, Baldwin County, north of sixty five, that's the swamp. South of sixty five, that's the marsh. All right. Tree line ain't picked up in the delta yet. So squirrels live up in the swamp. And if you get tired of playing in the swamp, you can go down to the marsh and you can play in there. And and they got this critter. There ain't no trees out there, but there's a bunch of sawgrass and, and maybe some scrubby cypress trees, a bunch of fragmites and reeds and cattails and stuff like that. So there's this little bird, and it, it's like a little purple chicken, right? And, it, and it's got these little, like, tentacle feet on it. And they're, they're weird. You're just going to have to look them up. It's kind of like... If, if a coot had a sexy cousin, okay? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm picturing you, this, yeah. You, you just just take my word for it. Just, like, imagine a coot going to Mardi Gras, okay? So there's this little bird, 
And me and my buddy, I guess we the only rednecks that, that acknowledge that they exist and hunt them. Like even the game warden, the game warden knows there's a season on him, but I've got stopped by the game warden and he's checked my bag. And, and the limit is 15. Um, and and he just looked at me and my buddies and he just saying we had a cooler full of them. I mean, just hard <laughs> stacked up. And, uh, and we had some coot in there too. I mean, you can go shoot coot and goonie birds and kill 60 birds between two people. It's just murder um it's not really hunting it's just cold-blooded murder but they uh if you like dove breast they fry up like dove breast so oh, we man. uh yeah and, and the game warden he just looks at it and he's uh he, he had to call the office and ask what the limit was like and ask what the season was and all that he's like i know that they're on the book he's like but i've been here 10 years y'all the first people that ever shot them but we hunt them usually by canoe they don't fly they won't okay. touch. they kind of walk on the the weeds and the pond scum and stuff like that on the edge of the water and they weave in and out of the fragments um and they don't flush it's almost like a rail or like a snipe um but kind of like a cross between a snipe and a, and a coot you just everybody that's listening just take a second pause google images google it yeah more hen uh, all right cool cool little bird tasty tasty bird with with liberal bag limits and a long season which is what i'm all about um, we hunt them out of a canoe, and just to make it some sort of a challenge, since they don't flush, we uh, we we just hunt them with with like a single shot break action twenty gauge, right? Just just one person paddles, the other person shoots, and then when he gets bored or runs out of shells, you swap up. But me and a buddy we were supposed to go meet, and we was doing something a little bit different. We was both taking our own kayaks. Well, he shows up. This is when we first started hunting, and uh, I think it was our first hunt together. The guy's name's Tim. If he listens to this podcast, he's already laughing at this story. <laughs> um, so, so we're hunting my, my, my gun. It's actually my squirrel gun, too. This single shot 20 gauge. It's called Rainmaker. Okay. And it's, it's shot a lot of squirrels. It shot some deer, hogs, turkeys. It's water swatted a lot of coot and moorhen and wood ducks and all that. And uh, $60 at a pawn shop, cash money out the door, tax title, everything. 60 bucks. Mm. Wow. <clears throat> that killed more animals than, you know, the, the interstate system. And, uh, but, but, uh, so we get out there and, uh, he's running late. So I go ahead and I'm, I'm out there and I'm, you know, shooting a few more hens and, uh, he calls and he calls just after I've shot some birds. So I've got, I've got this bird flopping in the water trying to, uh, you know, get away. He's doing the whole cripple thing, trying to, dive and swim and all that and i'm trying to i'm holding i'm in this little sit-in kayak that's about 10 foot long and picture me holding my phone up to my ear with my shoulder and i've got a two-bladed kayak paddle in one hand i'm trying to catch up to this bird and i'm holding my shotgun in the other hand trying to talk with my buddy whom i'm a little peeved at for being late you know and, and we're, I'm doing the whole thing, and I, I keep grabbing at this bird with my paddle hand, and it's not working. So I set my gun down on the cockpit, and I'm grabbing at this bird, and he, he, he'll dive, and then he'll come up on the other side of the kayak, right? I'm getting aggravated. It's September. It's about 90 degrees already at 7 o'clock in the afternoon. Bugs biting me all over this little bitty bird with little bitty, like, thumb-sized pieces of breast meat. All this hassle out in the middle of the marsh, probably you know two miles off the interstate or the causeway if you ever come through Mobile. And uh, I, I, so I put my gun down, 
and I go to lunge, and that gun goes blump. Just thanks for what. So I grab I grabbed this bird, and I'm ashamed to say, but I kind of took it out on him. Um, <laughs> I probably rang his neck a little harder than was necessary. <clears throat> and uh. And I asked Tim, I'm like, Tim, you don't have a spare gun, do you? He's like, no, why? I'm like, well, just, I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sitting here, and I noticed this place, this marsh, ever since they built the causeway system, it flooded everything, right? And uh, it's not real deep. It's maybe waist deep. But the problem is you've got maybe knee to waist deep water, and then you got about neck deep mud. Oh, man. And, and I know I can still see bubbles coming up where this gun is sinking in the weeds and the mud, right? It's pushing air up out of that marsh, that mat, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I can see the gun, and it's warm. And uh, I look around, and there's there's only, like, two alligators, you know? <laughs> and they're, they're down here, alligators, we're kind of, you know, nonchalant about them. These are little, like, eight-foot-and-under gators, you know? Just the kind that hang around waiting for scraps from the people on the Causeway restaurants. <laughs> and and I'm like, well, that's you know, sixty dollar gun. That's why I got it. Truck gun. If it gets stolen or it gets lost, big deal. But uh, that's the gun you always use. That's the gun that you establish the relationship with. And uh, more importantly, I've I've still got two boxes of steel shot and a limit of coot to shoot and a limit of uh, more hens to shoot goonie birds. So I, I wait up a little bit and I take my phone out of my pocket and I take my shirt out and. Ten minutes later, I emerge victorious. Uh, I had to fish this gun out of this muck with my toes. And uh, I'm up to my neck, trying to hold on to the kayak, keep it from floating away. Uh, Tim Tim shows up, and we finish the hunt. We have a good laugh, right? We go eat at the Waffle House, and I'm, I'm covered. I'm at the Waffle House, covered in feathers from cleaning, you know, 60 birds. <laughs> and... Uh, Covered in, in mud all the way up to my chest. It was a thing. And the uh, uh, the, the punchline to this whole joke comes when I was out there next weekend because I apparently never learned my lesson. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to get out there a little bit early, right? So it's still dark and I have my headlamp. And uh, I'm coming around the point where this whole incident happened. And I see eyes up on the mud bank from a distance, right? See, see 10 or 12 little sets of eyes. And uh, I frog gig. So I was like, man, I've been looking for a place to come back and frog gig. I'm like, let's let's go check that out. And and I paddle up on it in the dark. My headlamp's kind of foggy. It's not penetrating real good. And I get right up to about where I had dropped that gun, and I hear, meonk, meonk. And I don't I don't I don't know if y'all hear that sound much where you're from, but the thing that makes that sound is only about eight to twelve inches long. Uh, but the mama is usually about 10 to 12 feet long. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was swimming for a $60 pawn shop gun on an alligator nest. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so that I could go shoot more goonie birds. Oh wow. Yeah. That, that kind of sums up small, <laughs> small game, small game hunters, man. Those are special people. They, they, yeah. don't, they not take themselves super seriously, but, uh, if you ever if you ever find you know that old man that's got that ugly little feist dog that goes squirrel hunting or uh, that that guy that goes and comes past your deer stand kicking up rabbits you know 
Mm-hmm. Be nice to that guy. He's, <laughs> he's, he's not right. Uh, <laughs> and he's probably got some good stories. He's, 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 he's probably got uh, some, some bad decisions, and bad decisions make good stories. That is for certain. I, well, while I did put it on speaker real quick, and I looked up a Goonie bird, so I am now educated. Uh, definitely, I've, I've learned something tonight. I didn't expect the education, so uh, Nick, thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. We, I do apologize for taking a tangent. Uh, oh, no, no. That's perfect. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, good, man. I, You know what? I'm having fun. I don't need any more stories up your sleeve. I know we planned on just a couple going a few minutes here, but if you got anything else, I'm, I'm willing to hear it. <laughs> Well, while we're now that we're on to the subject of waterfowl, I took a, uh, and I'll, I'll try to keep this one a little bit shorter. Try to try to cut down on the build up a little bit, but I took a, uh, you know, you know the type of hunter that uh, he only goes when people take him. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then he never returns the favor. Like he don't have any land. His uncle ain't got no land to hunt on. He ain't got a lease. He don't have no good coordinates on the public land. But he, but he loved to go hunting, right? Mm-hmm. This, this boy, he had him, you know, fancy Benelli shotgun, and he had his, uh, he had his banded waders, and he had his mallard calls. And up here in the swamp, we don't really get, we're just kind of in between the Atlantic and the Mississippi flyway. Um, ask anybody from Alabama, they'll tell you the duck hunting sucks, which is not true. The duck hunting is wonderful as long as you like to shoot wood ducks. Oh, okay. If you don't like to shoot wood ducks, you're just out of luck. Uh, go to Arkansas, but so this boy he seen me shooting limits of wood ducks and, and posting pictures and all that, and he managed to convince me that I should take him on a hunt. Uh, so I took him on a hunt, and we we shot us a limit of wood ducks. Well, we shot him on a creek. The water was up, the current was moving, so we got through shooting, and I told him, "You wait here. I'm gonna jump in the kayak and I'm gonna go fetch the birds." So I jump in the kayak, and we go and we fetch the birds. And uh, we were actually, I take that back, we were one or two birds shy of a limit. I won't say whose fault that was, (laughs) but it was probably the guy that I was letting take shots because I'm a good host. Same guy who was blowing a mallard call every time I turned my back on him. (laughs) I guess he was trying to, and he was blowing it now. He probably could have called birds from Arkansas. Um, He was blowing it. That's the only time I've heard anything quack in that swamp in 10 years. (laughs) <laughs> so, so and 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 i love him he's uh if, if he'll he'll probably listen and he'll probably laugh and tell me what a bad person i am to tell stories on him but anyway well you haven't said his name so we're good there right? that, that that's it yeah we're, we're protecting yeah. witness protection program but uh so <laughs> I, I go and uh well I, I jumped some birds up in a falling down oak tree and uh while I was, you know, picking up the, the dead birds that done floated downstream. So I kind of get up around the bend. I can't see him no more. Some birds fly up, and I shoot, pow, pow, and uh, dropped one of them, dropped a drake, and uh, winged him. I, I'm just sorry. I'm real bad about crippling waterfowl. Uh, I blame it on the 20-gauge. <clears throat> so we go, and, and we start the cripple chase again. And uh, this, this dude, his wings were gone, but his legs worked fine. And uh, he was able to swim about as fast as I was able to paddle. Oh, man. I, I chased this little bird, and uh, I, I was down to just a couple of shells, and I didn't want to spend up on my shells, and I really didn't want to worry my buddy too much, just blazing away, have him, you know, think something was going weird or that I was hunting without him. So 
I'm like, I can catch this bird. So I set the gun down and I go to catch this bird. Well, he gets up on the creek bank and he starts running. So I hit the, hit the shore, ramming speed, jump out the kayak, and I take off. I say at a sprint, you know, it's, it's like ankle deep mud on this creek bank. So I take off at a slog in my waders with my calls and all that stuff on. And, and this little dude, he's booking. Just jiggy, 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 jiggy. Off he goes. And uh, he gets back in the creek. So we're playing that game. He's in the creek. I'm splashing kayaks 100 yards behind me at this point. And uh, I finally cornered him. He couldn't get up a bank. He, he kind of got off in a little slough, a little mud slough on this creek. And I had him cornered. And I was so aggravated at this point. The only thing I could think of to do, I did not want him to get out of that corner. So I dove about eight feet and uh, just just barely flopped him, man. Just... <laughs> I annihilated him, probably with gear, probably 230 pounds of frustrated, sweaty redneck on this little bird. Again. I, I wish, I really, that's one of the few times I've wished that I had somebody there with a camera because it would have gone viral. Oh man! You could see it in his that. eyes as, as I got closer to him. Like we were sizing each other up. There's that moment, you know, where you, you're having the show on the wheels. You're gonna, you're gonna dodge your weave, and then like you could see in his eyes, he's like, "Oh, he's crazy!" Like he's actually. You watch this bird's mouth open, and his eyes go wide. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome! Little bird. <laughs> and, uh, so, but hey, you know, we got our limit, and uh. So I'm paddling back, spitting mud out, you know, got grinding mud up in my teeth when I try to swallow. And, uh, and dude, the look on this kid's face. When I get <laughs> and, and he's like, everything go okay? I'm like, yeah, here's your birds. Let's take pictures. <laughs> and I'm handing him these birds, you know. And I usually take care of them, you know, and you kind of sort the feathers out, wipe the blood and everything like that. I like to take pretty pictures. And I'm handing him birds, and he's kind of, you know, arranging them up on this log. And I give him this thing. It looks like the dog drug it in out of the yard. And uh, he, he asked me what I did to it. Um, he implied I did some not-so-savory things to this duck. <laughs> and, and, yeah, it was... I wish I, somewhere I need to dig up that picture, but I was actually, I was so frustrated at him again. I went to wring his neck and I was a little over enthusiastic. So I just handed him this headless. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah, it was, um, it was humane, but it was, it was not, it was not a Facebook friendly. Yeah. Picture. That, that bird went at the bottom of the pile, you know, every point <laughs> you have the bottom of the pile bird. Yeah. It was the bottom of the pile bird. Um, so nutter butter aka waterfowl's worst nightmare is what i'm hearing <laughs> yeah no there's, there's nothing uh you know there's nothing fancy about about my style of waterfowl hunting it's uh yeah. it's a chaotic affair well i'll tell you what it sounds like you have a lot of fun and you made <laughs> there's some good stories man i, I, I really it, appreciate those it sounds crazy i can still i can close my eyes and i can see the look of just shock on that bird's face. <laughs> I really can. Like, if, you ever look at a deer, like, as you're looking at him in the scope or, or in your sights, and if you ever shot one right as he realizes, oh, no, I've messed up? Yep. 
Magnify that by about a hundred. <laughs> and that's the duck. <laughs> Talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Forget deer in the headlights. Duck in the shadow of a of a two hundred and fifty pound redneck. Nice. Man, that's awesome. Nick, great stories, man. I appreciate that. That'll definitely make some folks smile, and that's what this this episode's all about. Because good stories, and that's the fun of hunting. I mean, you you're not gonna get that anywhere else. So I really appreciate you coming on tonight, man. Telling those. I'm good. Well, I appreciate you having me on here, and I I definitely I don't know about everybody else, but I definitely had a good time. Yeah. Well, thank you, sir. All righty. All right, guys. Now I have Dennis from Mount Vernon. Dennis, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Travis? All oh, doing great. How's how's things in Kentucky? Uh, it is raining today, but hallelujah, the rain came with the dust storm to settle the dust here. There you go. Well, that's good, man. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we're going to have you jump right into your story today. All right. Dennis Wilder. I'm pastor at First Baptist Church in Mount Vernon, Kentucky. I've been in the ministry over 30 years. I started when I was 19, and uh, I've been... Uh, a full-time senior pastor for over 20 years, married to my wife, Michelle, going on 30 years this August. We have four grown children and six grandchildren, and nothing could be better than the grandchildren. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome, man. Congratulations on 30 years. That's an accomplishment. Yes, thank you. All right. Well, let's dive in. What is your funny hunty story? I was a pastor in Dayton, Ohio. I knew to really the ministry, uh, hadn't been uh, in the ministry too, too long. And so I was young. Uh, I grew up in southeastern Kentucky. My dad was mostly about fishing and small game hunting. Uh, so we'd go quail hunting and a lot of fishing. And I just love the outdoors. And I'm the type of person man, if it's in season, legal, I'm going to try it. I just love hunting, love fishing. And so there's a, a deacon in the church in Ohio who said, hey, uh, I want to take you coon hunting. Man, I've never been coon hunting. My dad didn't do that. Um, but I, I said, yes, let's do it. He set up the date. I got over to his house one evening. Uh, it was just starting to get dark, and uh, he fitted me up, put the, the helmet on my head, you know, with the light. And this was a long time ago. I got the big battery pack around my waist on the belt, and I said I felt like Batman with his utility belt on. <laughs> and, I know what you're talking about. Uh, but uh, but he got me all, all fixed up. It was him and his hunting buddy and, and myself. And I should have known that something was up when uh, we we get to where we're going to hunt and he didn't pull, he didn't unhitch the gate, didn't pull in the farm. We parked on the side of the road and two of the wheels were still on blacktop. And they they get the dogs out, uh, they, they pick the dogs up, set them over the fence, uh, Everybody climbs over the fence and they unleash the dogs and man, almost immediately dogs take off. They are on the track and they they are are giving it all they've got, just bawling. And uh, and you know the the deacon was like, hey, just listen for a little while, just listen. And he said, oh, 
they got one. I couldn't tell the difference in the bark. I had no idea. Uh, but he said, "There's it. There it is." That and and they knew the difference in the dogs from the barks, and I, that just blew my mind. I was all, I was so excited. I was pumped. The adrenaline was going. Uh, my mind was racing, and and so they knew they had one treat, and off we took running through the woods, and it was so exciting. We get to the uh, the first uh, uh, where the dogs had had the coon treat, and uh, they had a little single shot twenty two. Uh, aimed up in in the tree everybody had their lights up and pop and the, the coon falls out and the dogs just go all over the coon and they have to let the dogs maul the coon for a little bit and then they pull the dogs off and and um they they start off on another coon trying to get on another coon and that's when the deacon looked at me and said you get to shoot the next coon whoo buddy i you could you, you couldn't have told me anything any better. You know, I am the adrenaline from what I had just experienced, and now I get to shoot the next coon, and I got, I mean, tunnel vision because we were chasing after those dogs who were chasing after a coon, and I missed that we were crossing manicured fairways and and manicured greens you know with the flag sticking up and we're 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 in a country club and, and <laughs> no, i no. am completely clueless to this fact because i am so adrenaline fueled right now about this coon hunting stuff and we sure enough they tree another coon and uh, we got all of our lights focused on it they they load the gun up and, and hand it to me, and I aim up in the tree and pop. Nothing. I miss. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, so they, they give me a, a another bullet, and I put it in. Pop. I hit it that time. I redeemed myself, but the coon didn't fall out of the tree. The coon has to fall out of the tree. Mm -hmm. I mean, it has to, and so uh, the the old guy that was that was with us, you know, uh, my my deacon's friend, he's like he was kind of gruff, you know. He said, "Give me that gun." He loads one up, pop, and the coon falls out of the tree, and of course the dogs. And now the adrenaline has left my body, <laughs> and I'm starting to figure out where we are. But I am so deep into this thing, what am I going to do? You know, I don't have a clue where we are, even though I know we're on a country club woods here somewhere. I don't have a clue where I am in the town. I don't have a clue where we are in the city. I don't, I don't know. All I know is I've got to finish it out with these guys. And so they release their dogs, and they're on another cone. And they get... To, the, to this next coon, and I will never forget what I see. The dogs are at the base of this big old tree, and not 50 yards from the base of this tree, I see a woman standing in her bay window. Oh, no. She has got a white terry cloth robe pulled up over her head and her hands cupped around her eyes so she can peer through the window 
of this huge half million dollar home. <laughs> and about that good. time, what's that? I said that's not good. <laughs> about that time, the deacon's friend says, "We're out of shorts." You know, we'd been using 22 shorts to kill the coons with because they don't make a whole lot of noise. Well, when he said we're out of shorts, that means all you've got, all he had left was a 22 long rifle. And he he loaded, he couldn't leave that coon up in the tree. You can't do that. That's what I learned on that coon hunt, at least with those old boys. You don't leave that coon up in that tree. And he loaded up that 22 long rifle and fired up into that tree and that, and that, the sound of that bullet going off just echoed off of all those half million dollar homes in that country club estates. I mean, it's just, you can hear it go forever. And, and that coon falls out of that tree, whoop, those dogs, and they, those guys leash up those dogs. And they turn around, and they are running. And what I didn't know is they had placed a truck at the other end of the country club from where we had entered. And they are dragging these dogs, running toward this truck now. And the dogs are on their backs, being pulled by their neck, going toward the truck through this trail. They get to the truck. They load the dogs up. I get yelled at, get in the truck, preacher. We get in the truck, we pull out, we go to the stop sign, turn right, and don't go 50, 100 yards, and here comes the police in with the blue lights flashing, looking for whoever's shooting back in Country Club Estates. Oh, no. And I can see it flash before my eyes. Pastor gets arrested for poaching in Country Club to this day. Wow. That is incredible. That, that is my first coon hunt and my last coon hunt, Travis. Oh, man. Haven't been on another one since. <laughs> so, I, my, you cut out just for a second there. Maybe other people heard it, but I couldn't hear it online. So, you went past the blue lights and they, they didn't catch you? You guys got, got, got back, right? We didn't get caught. Didn't oh, get caught. Man. Man, that's incredible. That's funny. <laughs> did you did you have words with that deacon a little bit later on? <laughs> oh, brother, yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> Dennis, that's incredible. That's funny. That's really funny. I've thought about frog gigging on a on a country club, but I've never thought about coon hunting. So, <laughs> oh, that's great. Man, that's a good story. Hey, thanks for coming on and telling that. That's fantastic. That's that's one that you'll never forget for sure. You're welcome. I'll never and and most people say that it didn't really happen, brother. Every one of my stories that are crazy like that have happened for real, and I am completely blown away that God would allow me to experience such things. <laughs> <laughs> well, they make good sermon illustrations. They make great for a podcast on funny stories. So that's absolutely. Awesome. Well, you and I, Dennis, were talking beforehand, and here's how we'll wrap out the podcast uh, today. Um, 
Appreciate Dennis. He's kind of wrapping things up for us. Uh, Dennis, you have um, a ministry that just intrigued me. Whenever you kind of first mentioned it, I thought that's that's interesting. And this whole the whole premise of this podcast was just to be something lighthearted and make guys smile. But you have a ministry that's about trying to help pastors, preachers, ministers do the same thing, to take a time and just relax a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about Pastors in the Outdoors? Absolutely. Pastors in the Outdoors was birthed when I was a pastor in western Kentucky. I lived in the number one big buck county in the state of Kentucky, and I was sitting around a table with two other uh, pastors and said, hey, why don't we bring pastors in, let them hunt the big deer here in Kentucky, because, you know, it's got a good reputation, and just let them relax and have a great time. They were on board instantly, and so that uh, following year, uh, we invited some pastors up. We treated them well. They got to hunt, kill a few bucks. Uh, but what was more than that was that, real quick, one pastor had been let go from his church over nothing more than leadership issues. It was not anything immoral, or unethical, unbiblical. Uh, another pastor had uh, experienced his son, 18 year old son pass away from cancer, and he was still less than a year out from that. Another pastor had had a, an emotional breakdown. Uh, about a couple of years prior to coming to our retreat, and another pastor was brand new to the ministry. Even though he was 40 years old, he had been in construction his whole life, and he was like, man, I'm clueless about how to do this pastor thing. And so they got together, they got to share their heart, got to share their stories. We prayed with them, prayed over them, and it was an instant success. And since that time, uh, five years later, 120 pastors have been refreshed and revived through the retreats that we have done as far as deer hunting, turkey hunting, hog hunting, bass fishing, um, deep sea fishing, pheasant hunting, quail hunting. I can't remember hog hunting. I can't remember everything that we've done. But I'm telling you what God has done is made new friends out of some of the pastors they come they don't know the other guys but they're instantaneous um, not only baptist but we've had presbyterian methodist christian church uh, we've had several denominations uh, represented and there is no difference they are all pastors and yeah. you know they they don't have theological you know fights because they're all going through the same things. They want to see people come to know Jesus. They want to see their churches be healthy. They they love their people. Um, and sometimes it's stressful, and they just need to be refreshed and revived. Absolutely. I don't think guys out there listening to this that, that aren't pastors, that aren't, you know, don't do that, you know, as a full-time living, you might not know that about your, your pastor, your preacher, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of stress that goes into the job. Um, leadership issues, there's, there's people, it's, it's a people job. And sometimes that is a lot of stress and can be quite disheartening, um, especially, that. you know, in the last few weeks and months, you know, with COVID and things like that, it's been a different very hard for guys to navigate that, I think. Um, and so I can definitely relate and say that um, it's that, that's a great thing that you guys are doing there. And I think some guys, if you're listening to this, and maybe you're, you're a pastor or you know a pastor that loves to hunt, this might be a, a great opportunity. Absolutely. It would, uh, it would bless their pastor. And the best thing is 
for $500. Uh, they can send their pastor on one of our retreats. Many of our retreats are valued at $2,000, $2,500 per retreat. And so what their pastor is getting has a huge value, but what they're receiving as far as being refreshed and revived in their spirit and their emotions, man, is it, that goes beyond that scale. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you get and you you mentioned this before is that you really try and make it so that the pastors don't pay. So, you know, yes. the church can come together. I mean, five hundred bucks for a, a church of even a hundred folks—that's really, that's that's not too much to ask for to send a guy away and give him a, a chance just to relax a little bit, enjoy the hunt, and come back, you know, passionate and, and ready to roll. So, I'd encourage oh, guys. What's that, what's Dennis? Give us some information on where we can find that, uh, find out about that. Uh, you can find us online at pastorsoutdoors.org or you can find us on Facebook, Pastors Outdoors, or Instagram, Pastors Outdoors. Uh, we just take the NV off of uh, our Facebook and website and things, but pastorsoutdoors.org. And you can see videos where we have been. You can see, hear the testimonies of the pastors that have experienced our retreats. Uh, I've had pastors come out of obligation because somebody sponsored them. And <laughs> after they were there, they were like, wow, I needed this. And it, it absolutely changed their world. Mm. Well, Dennis, man, I, I love that. I appreciate what you're doing, trying to uh, just encourage and rejuvenate some guys that need it. And um, really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Thanks for the, the funny coon hunting story. That's one I don't think I'll ever forget. <laughs> it is my pleasure. I'd be glad to share more stories. I just don't have the time right now. But uh, God yeah. bless you, Travis, for what you're doing. Absolutely. And guys, we're just going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast with that. Thank you guys for coming back for another episode. And remember to shed the light.